happy for that tonight there's victory in Jesus well I'm nervous right off the bat but I forgot my mic so that's I guess we're talking about the idea of going without a mic off right off the bat like I was <laughs> but we'll use this I'm sorry to make the sound text nervous right off the bat God bless you all how many is happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight amen, amen. I want to say I appreciate the brothers I appreciate all the years I, I, I don't remember it but I was dedicated right here and baptized, I remember there, under Brother Harold's ministry, and I'm so, so grateful for the stable ministry for so many years with Brother Harold. So God bless you richly, Brother Harold. We, I've, so many things come to my mind as I've grown up, but Brother Harold said this, and Brother Harold said that, and Brother Harold said this, and I, I can never get away from it. And Brother Ed, just the, continuing the work, we just so greatly appreciate it. And it's, I, I believe that we're blessed here. We're so blessed. And, I appreciate Brother Andrew and working alongside with the young people and a friend and a mentor, and it's, it's been good. I, I appreciate Brother Max and all the young people that are here and my family, and there's so many people you could appreciate, and we just thank the Lord, and I appreciate there's Sister Hannah that's over there, too. I appreciate her being here, too, so. <laughs> God bless you all, and I appreciate, above all, God is good. Isn't he so good? I don't think we can really express how good he is, and I feel very little to stand here. I wonder if we could sing one more song, Fill My Cup, Lord, I Lift It Up. How many has got something they can just empty out? I believe I can have something that I can empty out. We can all just empty out something and let him just fill it up. We'll go to the Word. Fill my cup,
play something softly. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence that's here, Lord Jesus. Lord, when you come, the tempter's power is broken. When you come, Lord, all fear is wiped away. When you come, Lord, your presence can come and sweep through a room and change a heart and change a life. Lord, when you come, all you make the difference, Lord Jesus. Your voice makes a difference. And we want to just thank you that you've been welcomed here tonight. We thank you for the special that's been sung, Lord, the songs that have been sung. And Lord, we just want to come now to this moment. I, I just want to give myself a way that you could use me. And I pray we could all give ourselves a way that you could speak and that we could hear what you would be speaking, Lord Jesus. I pray that your anointing would come. And, Lord, I pray you could just calm my nerves, Lord, and I pray that the thought that you've laid on my heart, that you could just convey it, Lord. We, we thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to all the musicians. Let's, if we can turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think I'm good. We'll just, we'll just use this if that's okay. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And before I, before I start, it's a, it's a, I'll say if, if this is really simple, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm young and I only know so much. <laughs> but I pray you forgive me. <laughs> and I, I just, I, I trust that there's just something that's run on my heart for actually a couple of months before I ever knew that this might happen or something, and I, I thought it'd maybe be for the young people, but I, I just, I trust that it'll be a blessing. And my, my title is The God of Your Imagination. The God of Your Imagination. It's something that's rung through my mind, and I, I can't get away from it, and I, I trust I can, trust God can bring it out. Second Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, and I'm not even there. We'll get there. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And how often can we get so carnal? But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Proverbs 16, 30. Just a simple verse that describes how an imagination can work, really, and how it can have an effect going forward. Proverbs 16, verse 30 said, He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. Something that you dwell on in your mind, and you shut your eyes, and, you begin to, and, you can, and then you begin to speak it, and it begins to come forth. Well, there's one more verse in Philippians 2, 5. We don't have to turn to it, but if we... Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. The God of your imagination. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How many is in a battle? How many has been in a battle every day? How many has been in a battle today? 
And I believe that the battle has been intensifying in a way like no other day. It says that as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. And as it was in the days of, Moses, or of Noah, so shall it be. And it is, but I believe it's still more intense. I believe that the, the devil has been learning how to increase the attack and how to increase the, 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 the pressure and the temptation and all of the things that he learned in Noah's day and in Lot's day. And now he's here at the final showdown, the conflict between God of Satan in your mind and in my mind. And, and we know that the, the battle is like no other, and we know that we fight it in the mind realm. It's not a physical battle, and the, the children of Israel would go out and fight physical battles. They would conquer their enemies, or they would fight their enemies, and sometimes even lose to their enemies if they weren't in the right spot spiritually. But our battle is in the mind. Brother Branham, we know these. I'm just going to lay a little background, but we know this. There's been five senses in our body. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. And we know that there's five senses in our spirit realm, memory, conscience, affections. We know that our memory can be tainted in a way. We know that our memory, we can have bad memories that Satan can anoint. We know that we can have conscience, a conscience that could be shaped, but you might be raised a certain way that's very you know, dogmatic, or you might be raised in a way that's very open. And, but what we need to do is all of those things need to filter through the word. We can be raised in a way or we can go through things that would shape your memory to see that, oh, I always remember, and whenever I think of this, and what does the word say about this? Yeah. Or we can be raised in a way that our, our conscience or our affections are scarred by something or our reasoning is bent in a certain direction. Maybe we have a lot of education or not a lot, and we could be reason, you know, reasoning in a certain way. But what does the word of God say? And finally, our imagination. Now, Imagination is a, is a fascinating, fascinating thing. It's an, it, the root, one of the root words is image. One of the root words, the science would say that when your imagination is engaged, you can have a, a pain or a stimulus that would, you, you would have a, a, a moment where a, a sound would happen, a pain would happen, and then if you were asked to recall that, your brain will remember the pain the sight, the sound, all of those things, and in your mind, you can imagine it. Your brain will be stimulated, even if you don't feel it, but there's something in your imagination that's so powerful. It creates an image. It creates a world. It creates something in your mind. Now, I'm not going to focus so much on just imagination. I want to focus on imagination, but I want to look at that spirit realm, and really, the crux of the thought is this. What are the spiritual worlds that we could create that are not what God wants us to create. Where we could have a concept of what the message would be or a concept of what God would want us to be, but that isn't what the word of God says. And in essence, we would be serving a God of our imagination and not serving God. The God of your imagination. Now, the trouble with our imagination, how many's had a, I, I know I had a vivid imagination, and I probably still do sometimes. As a kid, I had probably a couple of imaginary friends, because I might not have been so good at making them on my own. <laughs> I'm sure that many kids have had imaginary friends. Hopefully not too many adults have imaginary friends, and don't tell your friends about them, if you have imaginary friends. But... As a, as a child, you can be going down the minivan in the back of the minivan and you can stare out the window and create a world. And that you draw comfort from it. 
That's where you get your comfort. When, when life is kind of going sideways, you can, well, I can disappear into this world that I've created. And there, there my friends love me, and there this works out, and that works out, and this is just perfect. And it's an imaginary world. It's an image in front of you. It's a comfort. And it can even become, if it's an image, it can become a God to you. You dwell in that. You build it up. You have all the details of everything that you could imagine. What happens as an adult? When we grow past that, that still can exist. We imagine scenarios. You know how many scenarios we can create in a day and dwell in if my life was perfect, if I had this much money, and if I had this, and if I had that. And we can literally draw comfort from some scenario that we've created, something that we dwell on, and, or on the flip side, something negative all the time. Well, I can imagine that going wrong, and I can imagine this going wrong, and I can imagine how that could go, and then that could go, and then that can go, and then suddenly there's people that are injured and hurt and whatever it would be. But based on fear... And based on, and, and I'll ask, the imaginations that we have, the scenarios that we dwell on, how often, A, do they ever happen that way? And B, does it ever profit you? How often does it profit me? Who is the God of your imagination? What, why do we spend so much time on some scenario that go this way or go that way or good or bad or whatever it would be? There's a channel that we can pull all of those things through. And that's the word of God. People live in fantasy worlds. There's fantasy novels. There's whole books written of some fantastic world with creatures and different things. There's movies. There's the, the, the superhero universes that people will, in their own minds, figure out. To what profit? To what profit? How much value do we get from dwelling in some other world other than the world that God has put us in to conquer and to live and to live in in Christ? I want to say this. The message is not a fantasy. We talk about seals or vile. Those are, that's a real. It's not a fantasy that we imagine in our mind. And there's, a, there's an image of it we have to project because we read revelations or but it's not a fantasy. This is real. When, when, when Noah stood on this earth, he stood on this earth. And we read the book and we see the story of Noah and all the animals. They were real animals. We have to use our imagination to see it now. But never let it be removed from the fact that he was a real man that you and I are going to meet one day. Moses, we're going to meet one day. And Abraham, we're going to meet one day. And Jesus Christ is not an imaginary God, but he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to meet him one day. And we're meeting him even tonight. But the scripture would talk in, in 2 Timothy verse 3. It would say, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce. My goodness. That's the day we live in. Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. In Romans, it would talk about how they would worship the creation more than the creator and thereby serve a God of their imagination. They would, traitors, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof the problem with any moment that we can get just a little twist on something 
is the power is gone. The power is gone. Brother Ed read this on Wednesday, and it just jumped out at me. The six things that the Lord doth hate, and I'll stop at the one that I want to stop at. There are, these are six things that the Lord doth hate in Proverbs 6. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Now, Brother Andrew said something on Sunday that so struck me. We have things that we think, like, there's good and there's bad. But did you know that there's things that might seem bad to us that aren't bad? We have to look at the word, not our human feeling about it. And there's things that we think are good, but they're not. It's deceiving. It's deceiving. There was, a, there was a man that said something, and let me see if I can find it, that had so jumped out at me. It was a, a, a philosopher that said, it ain't the things we know, it ain't the things we don't know that get us in trouble. He says, it's the things we know that ain't so. The things that we know are true in our mind, but they're not. That's what can get us in trouble. Because in our mind and in our imagination, I believe this has got to be the way it is based on how I've been raised or this or that. How could it be that we would think something would be bad, but it's not bad? Well, in myself, I might be kind of a soft person. I have a hard time saying no. And What if I'm supposed to by the word of God? Then something that feels bad to me is right. And something that someone else might, you know, this is... But where does the word of God say? Where does the word of God point us to? As you have, Colossians, Colossians uh, 2, 6 to 8 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you with philosoph through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of man and after the rudiments of the world. We know that in Noah's day, there was giants in the land. And what did they find out? What, 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 what did ultimately, what caused the flood? It's amazing. There was giants in the land, and after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and then God repents and wants to destroy the world. How important is it? What do we think about? How important is it, the things that we dwell on and the things that we let in? There is a thinking man's filter, and it comes through a holy man's taste from the inside out, that we need to pull every thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, casting down imaginations and every stronghold that would exalt itself against God. Brother Branham would say in the unfailing realities of the living God, in the days of Noah, they had religion. They had it for 2,000 years, like we've had Christianity, and there were critics just like there is now. And in the days of Noah, what happened? We find out that Noah stood in that one door of the ark and built an ark that was contrary to any human imagination. It was ludicrous to the world. It had never rained. It, Brother Brown said it had never rained, never had been a cloud in the skies. Ludicrous was my word. But God said it was going to rain. That was God's word. God said, prepare an ark, and Noah prepared an ark. God said, there will be a rapture, and so we're getting for a rapture, getting ready for a rapture. 
It's as simple as that, no matter how crazy it would sound to anyone. There's one door that leads to God, and that door is Christ. But the people in this world, if we could turn to Romans chapter 1, the people in this world serve a very different God. They serve a God that they, they don't even understand how, what they're serving and what they follow. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They knew him, but they didn't glorify him as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in where? Their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, I'll, I'll leave it there. In the Old Testament and much of the Old Testament, you, you would find that there was idol worship. They would build a grove on a hill or on a high place, and there would be a place where they would go worship a god. There was Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there was a moment with calves, golden calves that came up and different things that would happen in the Bible. And there would be times where there would be a grove built up, and then another king would tear some of the high places down, and there would be a buildup and a tear down, and this cycle of idolatry. But in our day, we don't, it's not the same. There are some that visit, that, 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 build, that worship physical gods, the Buddhists and different ones will have visible statues of gods. But our battle isn't so much that. Yeah, there can be physical things. We hear preached about your car or your different things that could be your god. But really, it's because in your mind you believe you're getting value from that. Even in that physical wooden thing that they would worship, in their mind they believed that that could help them. And they were serving a god of their imagination. They were serving something that wasn't real. The worship was misdirected. When Cain came to God, there's a danger, I'll say, in, in wrongly placed sincerity. There's such a danger in wrongly placed sincerity. Cain came, Cain came sincerely. He, he, he had left the, the, the Garden of Eden they were out of, and now he was in a moment where he was looking to, how do I worship God? And he looked in the best of his imagination, in the best of his mind and his ability. He said, well, I'm a farmer and I raise fruit, I, I grow fruit. I don't know if you can raise fruit, but you can grow fruit. And he built the perfect looking altar and tried to worship a God that was only in his imagination. It wasn't how God wanted to be worshipped. We must worship him how he wants to be worshipped. There's one name. There's one way to enter into the kingdom of heaven through the name of Jesus Christ. There's one provided place of worship. But now, what happens today? Because it's not so much images that are physical today. But it's, it, it's here. In Jesus' day, they were not looking for a Messiah the way the Messiah came. Yeah. 
in their imagination and in their mind, they had built up a concept of Messiah and how he was supposed to come. They had built up a realm of understanding of how, the, how Messiah is supposed to come, and, and they were under government oppression, so they thought, well, obviously he's going to turn away the Romans. And they were under taxation, so obviously when Jesus came, they're asking him questions about taxation, and is it lawful, is it not? And, and they were looking at all the wrong things. They weren't looking where they were supposed to be looking. They weren't looking at what the effect that Messiah was supposed to produce. So they come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, and them came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, let me point out, washing your hands before you eat bread is a good thing, but it has no place in the commandments of God to make it a doctrine by which you're saved. It's a good thing. But that doesn't fit with the word, for what the word said is what you were supposed to be following for your faith. It's an add to the word. And when you add to the word, very dangerous. So Jesus responds, and I imagine with a little bit of maybe attitude, why do you transgress the commandment of God with your traditions? You have a great tradition. I'm, Jesus probably wasn't against washing your hands, but he said, why do you make that a tradition that's a doctrine? He says, for God commanded, saying, honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. What happens when you don't worship God the way that he has laid out? In our day, it's in spirit and in truth. When you have the word and the spirit together. But what happens when you don't come down that path? The power of God is of no effect. Why? The worship went to the wrong place. The worship went to Satan. And Satan loves it when he can get you on one word. That was all it took for Eve, was one word. I, 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 there, was a, there was a moment where there was a conversation happening and someone was saying about how, you know, when the squeeze would come or when the pressure would come down, how we'll really buckle up and we'll be ready to, and, and I'm not saying it's this way. I just, it was for a point. What if Satan, all he had to do was actually ease the pressure, let us relax and get you on one word? He got you. He got me. Whoever it would be. If, he, if all he had to do is get you on one word, what if he didn't need pressure? What if he used Laodicea, rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing? Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I want a heart that's close to God. We want a heart that beats after God. As the deer panteth after the water, so my soul longeth after thee. We want a heart that's close and a mouth that would speak the praises of God. But it says, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. There's a danger in wrongly placed sincerity. 
Brother Brandon would say in the message, why when God made a man, he, the devil took his head, God chose his heart. The devil, through his imagination, makes him imagine anything, gives him intellectual conceptions of the scripture, but God gets his heart and leads him by the spirit, makes him believe things that his intellectual don't know nothing about. That's what I want. Now, we'll take a little turn, and this is different, but I remember being raised right in this church, and I would sit probably somewhere over there, and I would listen to the ministers talk about denomination. And, and this is just me being honest. I would sit there and say, why? I'm in the message. I've been raised in the message. I've been baptized. I've, and as I progressed, I believe there was revelation. I, I know that denomination is wrong. And I will never go. So why do we talk about it? Why do we, and the service would come and there would be this progression that would be, and then the minister would talk about going through Luther and then Wesley, and, and once you read the church age book, well, why do we keep going there? Why, why? I would think there, I would sit there and say, why do we need to? Because I'm, I'm in the message. I'm in the message. Amen. You can make a one-man denomination and I can make a one-man denomination in my pew, in the message. And we have to look back at what happened at Luther and at Wesley and at Pentecost to look at what are the characteristics of where, they, where things went wrong. Because that same spirit can come and affect me. The biggest spirit that we could face, I think Brother Brandon would say, the worst spirit you could face is a religious spirit. Where you think you're right. But you're serving a God of your imagination. You're serving something that Satan has allowed you to create in your mind. But it's not God, and there's no power in it. There's nothing in it, because Satan has got you off on something. Now, is it that your law, and I'm not saying, the word of God comes to wash us. That's why we're here right now to point it out and say, don't serve a God of your imagination. When if, you, if, we, if we find that we're a little off on something, if we see that the message clearly says something, let's just do it. If we, says, if we see that the Bible says something, let's do it. That's where the power lies. That's where the overcoming lies. That's where our future home lies. We must follow the word, the word alone when they say in court, you know, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For us, it's the word, the whole word, nothing but the word. We can't serve a God of our imagination. There's so many ways. I'll just point out a couple. I was listening to Brother Timothy Pruitt just preach on formalism. and You know, that's an area where we can think, well, this is the way it must be. And we can get formal in our, in our worship or formal in the way we approach things. Or Let God be God. Let's have freedom in worship. Let's have freedom when the word comes forth. Let's, all of it, when we get a critical thought, when I get a critical thought, let's cast it aside and bring every thought into captivity. What is that about every thought? Can you, is it that you're only thinking just God and God? But no, every thought that would come through goes through a filter. And if it's not according to the word, it's gone. Kick it out. It's not the right thought. When we, do, when we sit in our scenarios and we sit and think about this and think about that, is that all wrong? No, and we'll get to that. But let it be according to the word of God. I, 
I struggled with if I would go here or not. I'm going to do it, and I hope that this isn't misunderstood in any way, but what is the purpose of the message? Is it really to have good families? Is it really to have good ministry or a good church? Is that the purpose of the message? It produces that. Absolutely. Denominations have good families too. Denominations can have good churches, good ministry, good singing. Good people that would be good contributors to society. Is that the purpose of the message? It does produce that. But what's the purpose? We can get caught up in a, a side trail on what we think God is trying to do in this day. God's purpose is simply to raise our faith so we can get out of here. There's more we could say to that, but ultimately what he's trying to do is raise our faith and raise our faith till one day we lose gravitation. All the other things come with it. As we follow Christ and as we filter it through the word, the family is right, the church is right, all of the things go well, the singers are good, all, all of those things that we could look at. But then we get out of here. And Enoch walked with God, and Enoch was not, for God took him. What's the purpose of the message? It's not just the mysteries. It is. But that produces a life that raises our faith so that we can produce the purpose of the message and get out of here. As we start to, we have to be dialed in. I think I won't keep going there. and I'm actually getting closer to winding down, we'll see what happens. Is there truly a good use for your channel of imagination? I had this question one time and I was thinking, my goodness, my imagination just gets me into trouble. I'm thinking about things and then my mind's gone and I, and I had this question, is there any good use for imagination? And so I asked a brother and he had said, well, and I'll, I'll just go with what he said. He said, or not just go with it, what he said, <laughs> you'll get what I mean in a second. Brother Branham would say this. Someone would come to the prayer line. They would ask for prayer. He would discern thoughts and intents. There would be a moment they would pray. And then what would he say? Go thank the Lord for your healing. Or in other places he might say, project a well person and walk into it. What are you doing when you're projecting a well person and walking into it? You're taking the promise of God that starts here. Well, it might have started hearing through the word. It starts here. Then it begins to project out through your imagination. Proverbs 16.30, remember it said, he shutteth his eyes to devise froward things, moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. What if you began to devise good things based on the promises of God, then began to speak it, and then began to bring it to pass? I think of Brother Nathaniel Smith. I, if he's watching, God bless you. There, there was a man, I, I would grow up with him, and he would be in a wheelchair. But that wasn't good enough for him. So then he began to stand up out of the wheelchair. And that wasn't good enough for him. He kept projecting a well person, and then he was on a walker. Then he was on a cane, and then the cane wasn't good enough for him, and now he's walking. And if you keep projecting it, you'll be running. That's the power of God. Let God be the God of your imagination. Let God live through all of those realms. Your mind, let it be cleared out. Let the word of God come forth. 
faith is a master of all circumstances. And faith starts here. And then it has to work out. Open up your mind, the, the, the imagination realm of what could God do? What if, what if we went out for coffee when we can go out for coffee? And we began to talk about, you know, I have this problem. I have a lost loved one. Or I, I have this problem with my body. Or I have something that's a situation. But, you know, I was thinking about, what if God could do it this way? Or what if he could do it that way? And we began to, now don't hold God to how you think it's supposed to happen. Let God be God. But what if we dwelt on whatsoever things are good? Whatsoever things are lovely? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if we thought and we talked and we lived in those things. I think of heaven. I, I want to imagine it more, but you begin to imagine what heaven could be like. There is a realm for our imagination just to dwell in move around and think about. Brother Brandon would describe how we would walk with someone for 500 years and then just come back and talk to someone else. And What a day that'll be. What a day that will be. Can you imagine the moment? Can you imagine the moment of seeing Jesus? What, what would we do? When you look at his face, when you think about what he's done for you and the atmosphere he's created on earth, but when you think about now he's here. And it's not just an imagination. It's not just a thought that we've had. But there's God in, right here. And we're in the body. And we're, we're in the, our theophany. What would it feel like for God to give us a hug? Or what would it feel like for God to... It would talk about in Zach, Zechariah or Zephaniah how he would rejoice over you with singing. What would it feel like for God to come running up to you and singing to you? So excited to see you. I can only imagine. But one day, it'll be a reality. One day, we'll walk down the streets of gold. One day, we'll sing with all the saints of old. Moses and Elijah and all of those. It's not an imagination. There's a song that says, when, when our faith ends in sight, we project our faith. We've believed it all of our lives. But there will be a day where we'll see it. This isn't an organization. We can have a one-man organization. We can get a little bit off on this or a little bit off on that and lose the power and have to be washed by the word. But this is not an organization, and it will not denominate. It's going all the way to a rapture. This message is an anointing. It's a word that for our age that lives. If, and I'll say, if your message isn't living, keep moving forward. It lives. I know it lives. I know what it's like to live a halfway life, and I know what it's like when the power of God comes. It's real. Brother Branham would say in, in the message, when divine love is projected, sovereign grace takes his place, and God the creator who created all things by his power through his spoken word and everything that is, the word of God made manifest, the entire world was made, and how we do error when we try to ignore God's word or try to limit God's power by our, our own imagination. We could limit him. Because we think, well, for the very earth that you're setting over tonight is, the only, is only the word of God made manifest. God made the, wor made the world by his spoken word. Oh my, the dirt, all of the materials, the gold, all the waters, and everything that there is, is only God's spoken word. 
If not, where did he get it? Where did it come from? God said, let there be, then it was. Then he says, then what faith should we have in him and his word? When you see what God has done, it raises up a faith. I've often wondered, he says, in the door of the door, when they would see his word manifested, what do they do about it? Oh, well, some says it's a telepathy. The other says it's some wild imagination. Then he says, examine it by the word. God's word promised it, and heavens and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never fail. Open up the door of faith. When we see that God's word will never fail, and he's promised something for your situation, how can it go wrong unless we just don't have the faith for it? God can't fail. There's so many things that God can do, but there's a few things God can't do. He can't stop loving you. He could never forget you. He could never forsake you. When you confess your sins, he can't remember them. That's mind-blowing to me. How could you forget what I've... But God can't remember them. They're gone. Imagine that. God, in all of his infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge and the way you know chemistry, the way the worlds are formed or biology or the way things go, and yet God can't remember what I did when it's forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. We serve a real God. Hallelujah. Let God be God in your life. What's your need? What's your cry? When there's something that would come up in our life, how do we react to it? How do we respond to it? Do we imagine all the ways that it could go wrong? All the ways that ah, it's just not going to work because of this, or I've seen the last time that that, or, or God hasn't answered it yet. Don't put a period on God. If God promised it, he'll do it. If God promised it, he will do it. He can't fail. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about it. God is God. Who's more powerful than my God? God is God. Let God be God. The message is producing a people that is, I would say, almost ready, maybe ready for a rapture. Let's be ready to go. Let's not get caught up in this or that. There's many things that float through. Just compare it to the word. I was listening to a thinking man's filter and what a good message. Brother Brandon would talk about how what it comes down to is all of those people that would filter their thoughts to the wrong thing have a wrong taste. They desire the evil and it satisfies the taste. They smoke a cigarette because that's the taste they're looking for. He says, go suck on a piece of toothpick. You're not going to get anything because it doesn't satisfy the taste. But when our desire is the word and the word only, what it clears out. It's an inside work. It takes some time. It can take time to clear this out and clear that out, but you keep going forward. It's amazing what God does. But in our imagination and in our mind, let's let God be God of that. 
That's, I'm out of notes. I could, I don't know. Let's all stand. <laughs> I'll invite the musicians to come. There's one more quote I'll read, though. Brother Branham would say in the message Elijah in 1953, he says, what is it, brother? Men and women were coming to the end of the road, hungering and thirsting. How many are hungering and thirsting for God? God is pouring out his spirit, and the people are seeing it and running to life. They're getting up to Cherith up yonder where God has commanded the ravens to feed them. That's right. And these little old missions around the town, these places are looked upon as a bunch of fanatics. He says, watch out, brother. Sometime it might be a meal ticket for you. That's right. But when you come to this meeting tonight, dropping down, he says, when you come to this meeting Tuesday night, I'll say Wednesday night, come prepared. I tell you what to do. Kill off all of your long-robed priests. We get formal in our minds, or we think that this is the way it is, or we get self-righteous, or they stand around saying the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as the glory of God in the human heart. It's all imagination. Let me tell you something right now. If Jesus Christ raised from the dead, he's living in his church today, and we are his representatives. If Jesus is here, look in the meetings, come to the campaign once, come, go stream a service, come to this service here. You'll see Jesus is alive. He's alive in me. He's alive in you. He's living in his people. He's living in his young people. He's living in all of the people here. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter the experience, or it doesn't matter. But God is alive. If it, it Come to the campaign once when the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes. If it doesn't produce the very same life of Jesus Christ, healing, knowing, foretelling, saying what it will, what will not, watch if it isn't true, what is it? Jesus isn't dead. Jesus rose from the dead. A little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me for I will be with you even in you, to the end of the world. Isn't God good? Let's let God be the God of our imagination, of our mind, of our heart, of our whole being. I've said it already, but I'll just say, when the situation comes, think, how could God fix this? I can't wait to see what God will do with this one. This looks pretty rough. That's okay. God's even bigger than this. There's a big devil. We've got a bigger God. The Bible says, this day, this know in the last days, perilous times shall come. Last days for who? Last days for the devil. Just a beginning for us. Our God is awesome. Our God is powerful. Let's sing that song, Every Praise is to Our God. Well, every praise is to our God. Oh, every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. It's to our God, God, 
your need, what's your cry? Set your wings to the wings of faithful. Invite Brother Andrew to come and close the service. There are two roads you may take. Oh, there are two roads that you may take. One by sight, one by sight, and one by faith. But take the word.
Watch the eagle. so good I just say it this way the cat's out of the bag <laughs> that's, that's one of the pearls of the young people right there brother John if you want to know who was preaching when brother Ethan gave his heart to the Lord he was the man behind the pulpit but he wasn't the voice behind the voice if you want to know who is there to help Brother Max get set free of some things, it was Brother John that was standing behind the pulpit. If you want to know who is there that told me when I made the decision this was the church I was going to move to, he doesn't know this yet, 
Brother John was the one speaking. Five years ago in a little house meeting in my mother-in-law and father-in-law's place, I was in Africa. My wife was there with my one son, Landon, and I knew I was to leave Grand Prairie and move somewhere, and I didn't know where. And she phoned me that, that night or the next day, and she said, Honey, the presence of the Lord, and something dropped in my heart and said, If that's what God can do through a young man, that's a place I can bring my family to, to have them raised in a church like that. God bless you, Brother John. God's power is alive. So what about the truth? I sing in that song when he was preaching, Brother Daniel, or Brother Andy's, Daniel Andy's son sings it. He says, what about the truth? What about the life? What about the message? Is it still alive? Amen. You're the proof that this message, this gospel is still alive. You're the proof that is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the proof that the Word of God is not fables, that it's not a dead letter, but rather that it's a living Word that is manifesting itself through written epistles read of all men that are living today. Men and women of God that are willing to bring their thoughts in an age, as Brother John read it, in an age that is so given over to an evil imagination, given over to an evil thought. But there are people sitting in this church, I believe right now, who are willing and able to bring all of those thoughts into captivity, into obedience to Jesus Christ. And not willing to take it to their own flesh and take it to their own desire, but rather it's you that's able to say that word of God is true and it still has power today. Oh, God is so good. I was pondering all day on a scripture. It's from the book of Luke in Luke chapter 12. Verse 37, I just, this was on my heart all day. It says, blessed are those servants. And this just came back to me when brother John, you were talking about, could you imagine? You know, he sing that song and I remember years ago, I didn't like it when my life wasn't quite right with the Lord. I didn't like that song, I can only imagine. You know why? Because when I imagined being in front of the Lord when my life wasn't right, <laughs> it was a dreadful day. But when you get your life right with God, and you begin to think about, I can only imagine when I get in the presence of God. I can only imagine when I behold His face. When your life is right, that's a great day. As we were talking about last night, Brother Max, that's a grand day. Amen. It ain't just great, it's grand. But the scripture is in verse 37, it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, find them, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. I can't fathom that. So I have been thinking on that all day long. How can these things be? If a servant that's just found faithful, he says when he comes, he finds those ones faithful watching and waiting for him. He's not just to say, oh, good job, come on over. No, he says he'll gird himself. He'll cause them to sit down. Saints, what waits for us is her says, I has not seen. 
ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man. The only inkling of feeling we have is that God has been able to make it real by revelation by the Holy Spirit in individuals to begin to catch a glimpse of what that glory will be like. But to be there on that day, oh, it's not worth getting caught up in a Laodicean spirit just to relax for a moment. Maybe tonight you find yourself just saying, Brother John, that, that, those are wonderful thoughts and that's a wonderful thing, but I, I have a lot of trouble. You spoke about it briefly, but when you have the circumstances, forgive me for taking a little bit of time, but he was short. I'm long-winded, so here we go. But you find that, that, that when you, you take that and, and you say, well, when the circumstances arise, it gets harder. Brother Tim Nunweiler, you sang a song, and where you at? You're, you're up there. God bless you. If you let God be God in the best of times, then he'll be God in the worst of times. But the thing is, we got to let him be God at all the times. Let God be God. Don't try and take it out of his hands. Let him be God. The Brandon says in the message, the greatest battle, he says, what was the matter? You had to open the channel first. You've got to get the soldier, the Holy Spirit, placed at the battlefront and take God's word. He is the word. So I'm struggling so hard just to, I see the point to project a good image, a well image and project even my theophany before me and begin to walk into that. I mean to say, what could that be? But it's so hard when the going gets tough. He says, the trouble is you got to put the Holy Spirit on the battlefront. Yes. You got to stay behind the word of God and not take matters into our own hands. He says, there's nothing can everyone and the other, every one of the other channels is cleared out. Just like an old boiler, the old flue stopped up. You put a fire in it, it'll blow your thing right up. That's what the matter with the Christians, many blowed up Christians, is just they don't clean the channels out. They don't go down to the inside. You've got to clean it. And he goes on, he says, conscience, memory, thoughts. Oh my. What's he dealing with? The greatest battle is in the mind. He says, you might have something down in your word or down in your soul. It might be the word of God, but you got to start to clean out, bring into captivity all those other thoughts so that that word can begin to produce out. Coming from the inside out with the unadulterated word of God. That's it. The truth. Say, Lord, help us. I love young ministers when they get up and preach because they just say it like it is. They just say it like it is. God bless you, Brother John. Not beating around the bush. Not taking it, well, you know, maybe, maybe, no. Just say it like the Word of God says it is. Because it's the truth. And if you just get that down and just start cleaning the flues, then you begin to find the worship comes easier. The praise comes easier. And every praise to our God comes so much easier. It just begins to flow out. Why? Because it's created a certain taste. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? Amen. Oh, my. Oh, my. Do you think we could sing that song, Brother John? I know we don't have a scream, but I know you and I know it real well. But uh, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. I like to go out from services like this with some good thoughts. I had some hard times, but I sought the Lord. He answered me. Amen. Amen. The Lord, and he answered me. 
and he answered me and delivered and delivered me from every fear from every fear those who look those who look on him are radiant they'll never be ashamed they'll never be ashamed they'll never be ashamed oh this poor man cried and the Lord heard and the Lord heard me and saved me and saved me from my enemies the Son of God the Son of God surrounds the saints surrounds his saints he will deliver them he will deliver them magnify oh magnify the Lord with me come exalted oh come exalt his name together oh glorify the Lord with me come exalt his name taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he. Oh, blessed is he who hides, who hides in him. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, all you saints, he'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. The Lord with me. Oh, come exalt His name together. Glorify, glorify the Lord with me. Oh, come exalt His name for the Lord. Let us bless the Lord every day. Every day and night, never ending, never ending praise. May our incense rise. Let us bless the Lord every day and night, never ending praise. May rise. Oh, let us bless the Lord every day and night, never-ending praise. May our incense rise. Oh, let us bless the Lord every day and night, never-ending praise. May rise, oh magnify the Lord with me, come exalt his name together, glorify the Lord with me. 